you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Well, welcome everyone. It's good to see all of you who are here with us in person and want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. Before you showed up today, before you turned on your screen, know that you're prayed for, cared for, and loved. Um, And we are grateful that you would spend some of your Sunday morning with us as we dive into God's word, as we have time of worship a few moments ago, and then we get to worship God through going into his word and then uh, to continue to build community. So with that said, thank you all so much for being here today. And if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that we are on week four of a five-week series called Seasons. And in this series... We've been talking about seasons in our walk with God and how they're ups and downs, highs and lows, ebbs and flows, and what it looks like for us to still lean into God in the midst of that. And we've been specifically looking at Psalms of David, because in Psalm 31, verses 14 and 15, David talks about how, Lord, I trust you, my God, my times or my seasons are in your hands. And so we took that and we said, okay, let's look at how David, the psalmist, who's the most prolific psalmist, how did he write and pray and cry out to God and explain what it's like to go through different seasons in his relationship with God in the book of Psalms. So we're going to be in winter today, and our series, or excuse me, our sermon title is called Always Winter, Never Christmas. Now, if you've read The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, or if you've seen uh, the movie, you know this is a pretty famous line in which Mr. Tumnus, who is a fawn, uh, he meets Lucy Pevensey. Lucy Pevensey, as you see in the next slide, she comes into Narnia and it's covered in snow. And it's through this cupboard. She's playing hide and seek with her siblings. She keeps going back and ends up turning around and seeing that she's in Narnia. She ends up going and meets Mr. Tumnus. And Mr. Tumnus, again, he's a fawn, which means he's got like goat legs, but he's a human on, the, up on his torso and above. And so he's able to explain that it's always winter in Narnia. It's always winter, but it's never Christmas. In other words, because of the evil witch, the white witch and her magic, that it's always cold, it's always harsh winter, it's always difficult, but there's no hope for it getting better. Now, I know we live in a, in a relatively mild climate compared to many places throughout the country and the world, but even still, when it's, when it's cold or when it's rainy um, and we're in the season of winter, there are times when it's like, okay, I don't like the cold. I don't like, I don't like taking my dog out to go to the restroom when it's like cold and, and like I, we just run back and I have my socks like tied into my jammies. It's a sight, but I don't like that, right? That's not a thing I enjoy doing, but you say, okay, it's going to be okay. Winter is not forever. It's for a season. But then you also have, in our context, we have Christmas to look forward to. And for those of you who are maybe with us today, and maybe you are still learning about God, you're not, you don't have a relationship with him yet, you're not, you haven't given your life to Jesus, you still, we all can look forward to Christmas because we get to exchange and give gifts, we get to have time with family, and we get to eat really good food. And so it's already something that we could look forward to even in the midst of the cold or the darkness or the the, the difficulty of a winter season. 
And then on top of that, for those of us who do have a relationship with Jesus, we still get to have the good food and time with family and celebrate gifts, but we get to celebrate and rejoice that in the midst of the darkness that God sent Jesus to be a light in a dark place. And that we, he, we know that now we've been in spiritual winter, but, Je, but Jesus was sent down as Emmanuel, God with us, so that we know even in the dark of night, we have hope, we have light, we have purpose, and we are not alone. He is God with us. But going back to this idea of, of this sermon title, it's the idea of, can you imagine always winter and never having the hope of Christmas? Always feeling cold and never feeling the warmth of a chestnut's roasting on an open fire. Feeling that there's this difficulty and this, this darkness and never having hope that the light of the world would come. Feeling the bitterness and the loneliness and never having the hope that God with us, Jesus Christ, would come to this earth to live a perfect life and then he died a horrible death. But then he was raised to new life so that we may have eternal relationship with God through him. How dark and difficult and painful winter would be if we, like the Narnians, always had winter, but never had the hope of Christmas and never had the hope of Jesus. See, we are entering into our sermon today about the winter season. We've been taking the few moments to, or the past few weeks, excuse me, to look and use Walter Brueggemann's Spirituality of the Psalms, a book is on the screen, that it's, a, it's been kind of a guideline for us that looks at, as he posits, three different types or classifications of psalms. Now, there's many different types of psalms within these classifications. So there's subclassifications, but here are the three main ones that Brueggemann proposes and that can speak into our series this time. And the idea is that the first one is, this, is a psalm of orientation. These are wisdom psalms, Torah psalms, creation psalms. These are psalms that talk about when our lives are oriented to God, everything goes the way we think they ought to. We do, we follow the Lord and good things happen. We say, yes, this is the way I see the world and things are good. But we all know that we have those seasons, but that like winter is not forever, it's for a season. Then we have these psalms of disorientation, and that's when the way that we've seen the world before, the way we have faith in God and what it looks like, when those start to get upside down, when we thought we knew how God would respond in our trials and we're not hearing him, we're not seeing him move, we're not feeling his presence. And last week we talked about this idea of when we have that fall, when life throws us curves, how do we navigate that? And so we looked at Psalm 86 as an individual lament. Today, we're going to talk about winter, which is part of disorientation as well. But this is that moment when, you know, in summer, our first time when we went through this in Psalm 37, David says, I'm, I, I once was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And yet that same author in Psalm 22 can start it off, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's recognizing that we've gone through what was once the highs and the lows, the ebbs and the flows, everything we once thought was how God was. We're, we're not experiencing it. And yet the loss can only come in our walk with God when, when we feel that, not if we're in the season of winter, but when it happens. Will we run to God with that pain or will we run from God because of it? 
And if we will run to God with that pain, friends, I don't know how long your season of winter will be, but I do know that the new orientation psalms come in, the psalms that show us what spring is like, that the time of fall when they're seeding and dying and the autumn rains and then the land is fallow through winter, then in spring is when we start to see new life blossom up and we start to see God working and how he's been working through us the whole time, but we start to see the fruit of it in spring. So today, we're landing in winter. And as we've been saying throughout the different weeks of this series, the mindset that we want to emphasize is the fact that we always hear the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's like this constant idea of change, and that change is constant. However, in the midst of seasons changing being constant, so is our God and his character. But the more things change, God stays the same. He is not different. The same God who is with us in the warmth of summer can comfort us in the cold of winter and every season in between. And so as we unpack, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 13. And so before you turn there, and as we get ready to see what God has for us, would you join me in a word of prayer so that God would prepare our hearts, he would open up our eyes, our ears, and our minds to what he has for us today so that we would receive his, uh, this, his hope, his purpose, and what he wants to share with us as we enter into this passage together. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each person who is here and part of our service this morning. So whether here is live in person, whether it's live watching online, whether it's listening or watching the podcast throughout the week, God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of them in a way that only they would understand you to be speaking to them, that it wouldn't be about me, that, Lord, I would decrease, that you would increase, and that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. Lord, acknowledging that there will be people in this room who are currently in winter, God, may you break through the clouds and may you give them a ray of hope today, knowing that there are some of us who may not be in winter currently, but we've been there and Lord, we will be there again, so help us to prepare for our hard seasons by learning from you in your word. So God, we thank you for this time we have together. Give us the eyes, ears, and hearts open so that we can receive what you have for us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned, we're going to be in Psalm 13, and what we're going to do is we're going to kind of ask two questions that we ask of God in the winter season, disorientation, and then we're going to do a challenge or a reminder for ourselves. So we're going to say two things we say to God and one thing we must say to ourselves when we are experiencing winter. The first thing that we're going to say to God or that we often say to God is two words. It's very simple. How long? How long am I going to experience this difficulty? How long is this winter going to be? In fact, how long is how Psalm 13 opens up in verse 1? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Keep that face, um, hiding your face, keep that imagery in your mind. We're going to touch on it again in a few verses. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? See, his, David's complaint, his cry out is fourfold. It's one, it's it's this idea of, God, have you forgotten me? Friends, I don't need an answer, but have you ever felt like God has forgotten you? As, as if, you know, God is absent 
that whenever I, you said you'd be there for me, but whenever I call out your name, you're not anywhere, that we try to reach out and we don't feel his presence, we don't feel his warmth in the winter, and it's, we say, God, how long? Have you forgotten me? Didn't you, don't you remember me? Didn't you love me and send Jesus to die for me? Didn't you create me and form me and shape me? And how come it is that I'm experiencing this winter, and how long will it be until you remember your son or your daughter? How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face? So the first two how longs talk about a relationship with God. Say, will you forget me? And how long until you remind or you will hide your face and you won't show up and I can't meet with you in this way? But then the second, the next how long is, how long will I have sorrow upon sorrow day after day? How long will some of us, maybe we're struggling with a health issue. How long do I have to go through these treatments? Some of us are going and we're grieving losses. How long will I grieve? And, and recognizing that the grief will hit us unexpectedly in a way that knocks us down. How long will I be in this winter? And then the last one is, how long will my enemies triumph over me? So it's, it's a relationship with God. It's a, it's a struggle within ourselves. And then it's a struggle with those around us. God, how long? And we ask God, when will this end? Now, to illustrate this, um, I shared with you that last month I had the opportunity to go to Seattle um, for a few days and to go uh, to the geocaching headquarters and to do the 20th anniversary of geocaching that actually happened two years later because of COVID. And so um, if you don't know what geocaching is, I don't have enough time in the sermon to tell you all about it because uh, it's great. But long story short, it's when you have, you go online to geocaching.com and you use your phone or you use a, a GPS um, receiver and you put in coordinates and there's clues as to what you're going to find there. In like a box, you sign your name. Sometimes there's puzzles to solve. So if you like scavenger hunts, if you like puzzles, if you just love that idea, then you would, you would enjoy this as a hobby. And I've done it since 2009. And I, I, got to be, I was able to go uh, last month, August 18th through the 20th, in order to celebrate this anniversary and then to find some specific geocaches. Now, there's one specific type of geocache that is only found probably two or three places in the world. One is in Brazil and one is in Washington State. So I knew when I was going to be there that this was gonna be one of my goals, was to find this very specific one that is incredibly rare, and that way I could go ahead and check it off my list. And now, this type of geocache, in order to find it, or excuse me, this specific geocache in order to find it, you had to go through a tunnel that was big enough to fit a train in there and that went for 2.1 miles. And so I have a picture on the next screen that the first picture is me blocking the tunnel with my face, so that did not go as planned, but the second tunnel will give you an idea of the scope and size as to how big it truly is. And this tunnel is long enough, friends, and it turns, it's not like a straight shot for 2.1 miles. It's long enough and curvy enough that you start walking in and as you walk in, um, you know, because it's going to end up getting pitch black, you walk in, you can still see the light behind you, but after not that long, it turns a corner, and then you're in pitch black for however long it is, and you don't really have an idea of how long it's been since you've started that tunnel. Now, because it's pitch black, the way that you prepare for it is I wore a flashlight on my backpack that clipped on, and I was able to walk and see, you know, 
it's very much like when Psalm uh, 119 verse 105 says, like the Lord, the Lord is, uh, the word is a lamp to your feet. It's like I can see what's in front of me. I can't see the whole path ahead of me, but I can know the next step. And so it's being faithful and diligent going into the next step. And I'm getting really tired throughout this walk because you start going and you get to the point where you can't see the light behind you and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel ahead of you. And you don't have any context for how much time or how far you're in it. And so you wonder, how long, how long, much longer is this walk? Now, it's one of those where as I'm walking, and you just kind of have this moment where like, it's dark behind me, it's dark ahead of me. And I just think, what happened in my life that I thought that walking into a 2.1 mile dark tunnel all by myself, hundreds of miles from home would be a fun thing to do on a day off, right? And I'm like, but then you see other people walking with you and you're like, you guys are my kind of crazy, and we do this together. And so I found another group of geocachers who were from the Azores in Portugal. And so I got in there, and I was walking through, and they were talking. And then so I was, I was like, asking them a question. I'm like, hey, can I just, like, walk with you? Not because I was afraid, but because it was a little scary. So I end up just walking with them for a while, and it's just, you're just going along. You still don't know where the light at the end of the tunnel ends, or where the light of the tunnel is, excuse me. But at, even as you're walking, you'll see, and you're like, oh, okay, like the tunnel, we're almost done, we're almost there. Because you see a light, and you see a light at the end of the tunnel, and then you realize that's not a, a true light, that's not the end, that is just someone who's on this journey coming back, and it creates a little bit of a small light that shows, oh, you think it's the end, but then you see them walking, and it bobs up and down, you're like, oh, that's a headlamp, or oh, that's, uh, that's someone else's light on their backpack. And so you get tired of looking of like, where's the light gonna come, but then when it does, the next picture is when you start to see, and it's just like this moment of the light is there. The, the, the end of this tunnel will come. I just didn't know how long it would take. And so I was, I was successful. I found the geocache. But here's the thing about a 2.1-mile walk through a tunnel. You have to go back. And so I'm already exhausted. My legs are already sore. And I start walking back, and every step is a slog. Every step, I'm sore and tired. But I know this about my walk in that moment. I can either stop and sit on the side of the, on, on the, side of the tunnel and just wait until the tunnel ends or just wait until the darkness is gone or just wait until winter season is over. But that, friends, is not actually an option. So what you do when you don't have any options and you're in the darkness of a tunnel or in the darkness of winter, you walk one step at a time, one sore, bedraggled step at a time, one exhausted, and every step you just say, just kind of go one more step, just the next step, and then you see that light at the end. You say, okay, I'm almost there, but you're too tired. You're excited, but you're too tired to run towards the exit because you're exhausted and sore, and yet you just go one step at a time. Friends, in our walk with God, when we're in a winter season, we do not know. We can ask God, how long, O oh Lord? How long is this darkness? How long is this tunnel? How long is this winter? How long is my pain? How long is this cold? How long is this bitterness? Friends, you may not get an answer right away. It may be a surprise when you turn a corner and then you see a light that says spring is coming, but you won't always get the answer of how long. It's not like our physical seasons when we know that winter is from like December 20th to like March 20th. Like we have an idea of winter is. It's not like that. And so 
the blessing slash curse of being a pastor is that everything becomes a sermon illustration. So I'm just walking, and I'm in this tunnel. I'm like, how much longer? I'm like, oh, I'm going to be talking about winter in about a month. Maybe it'll be encouraging for people to know that when you're in that darkness, you won't have the answer to how long, but you go one step, one foot at a time, and you find people and you invite people onto the journey with you. But you don't have to hide or pretend that you're not scared in the midst of a wintry tunnel and of darkness and difficulty. Say, hey, maybe find someone who loves Jesus and say, you're the same kind of person who loves Jesus like me. Let's walk in this journey together. How about this time you can be my light and encourage me and next time I'll do the same for you. And we walk. No matter how long it takes, you don't have to be alone in the midst of your journey. So we cry out, God, we ask, how long? The second question we ask is sometimes harder and less clear, how come? We wonder, God, how come this is happening? Why aren't you doing something to stop what I'm experiencing? Why am I not healed? Why is this relationship not fixed? Why aren't my kids following the Lord even though we raised them to? Why are my finances still going through difficulty? Why, how come you can't just bless me and solve everything immediately? We ask how long, but then we also ask how come? And again, friends, it is not my place to tell you how long or how come things are happening. But I can point you to God's word and how he walked, how God walks through us or with us through this. So verse three says, look on me and answer. We said, how come you're not responding, God? You are all powerful, all present. You can do anything and you are so powerful to create the heavens and the earth that the word out of your tongue. And so I know you can solve my problems. I know you can heal me. I know you can do this. How come you haven't? Why won't you answer? Look at me and answer me. Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Show me the end of the tunnel. Show me that there is hope, even if I don't see it yet, so I can see light in my eyes in order to walk one step at a time. Verse 4, and my enemy will say, I've overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fail, or when I fall, excuse me. It's this idea of saying, Lord, you can do this. Look at me. Like when we're trying to ask something to the girls and they don't respond, I'm like, hey, can you give me your eye? Like, look at me. Do, did you hear or are you not hearing? And so, like, yeah, I heard. I'm like, well, then respond. Like, let me know you heard me. And yet there are times when we say, God, are you, do you hear? And sometimes we don't always hear the response right away. But it doesn't mean he's left us. As I was studying this in the Jewish study Bible um, that I have, uh, the author talks about the importance of, remember I talked about to keep in mind the face of God in the midst of, in verse 1. And he talks about this in the Torah, so go ahead and go, it says, in Torah and prophetic contexts, God's hidden face, his refusal to attend to humans, is typically a result of punishment. So when God's people would follow the ways of the, and during the book of Judges, when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and then they would get overcome by other countries, and they'd be subjugated, then the people would cry out, and then God would provide a deliverer, and then God that would use that deliverer to free his people, then they would praise God, and then they would start going around the cycle over and over again. What it's saying is that there are times when God would say, you are seeking these idols to make you give you hope and value and purpose, and it's not going to be able to do this. And so if you are sinning and disregarding me, you will have times where you experience these trials. And it's a punishment. It's something where in God's covenant in Deuteronomy, 
He says, if you will follow me and obey my commands, here are all the great things that will happen. But if you don't, here are all the ramifications of that decision to flee from me. So they typically see it result as a result of punishment. In many psalms, including this one, the psalmist suggests this hiddenness is instead the result of divine neglect. And here's what I want us to land on today with this section. If God looks, he answers and is no longer hiding his face. So when they're praying, David is saying, just look at me. I know, God, that you were able to act, and maybe you'll fix everything in a fell swoop, or maybe you'll just give me enough daily bread to get through this day and the next day and one step at a time in this dark, wintry tunnel. But will you act on my behalf? Will you answer to me? Because how come you haven't? And he says, this, this devotion says, when he looks, when he turns his face towards you, he will act on your behalf. It may not be how we want it or when we want it or what we want to happen. But God looks and he answers. He looks and he answers, which as if you're part of our services here in person or if you watch live online, then you know that at the end of every service, we do the, I do the Aaronic pre, uh, blessing, the priestly blessing from number 6, 24 through 26. Some of you may just listen on the podcast um, throughout the weekend, so you don't always get that part of the service. But in that moment, here's what we talk about, and here's how we close every service. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you peace. In other words... Taking that prayer that we've said over the end of the services for so long, and then taking what we know about the hiddenness of God's face and when he looks, when he turns to us, he acts and he answers, that prayer shows us that the blessing of that time is not that you're not going to experience difficult times, but that may God turn his face upon you and answer you. May he act on your behalf. You will not always have the answers to when, how long, You may not always have the answers to why, how come, but you can have the answer to who. Because God, the same God who created the universe and holds it in the palm of his hand is the same God who extends that hand into relationship with us. He's with you, even if you don't feel it. And he can help you walk one step at a time through winter. He will look and answer and act on your behalf. Again, not always how we want, when we want, or what we want to happen, but he answers. We do not pray to a deaf God. We pray to an all-powerful one that sometimes allows us to go through difficult seasons like winter. Why? Because we can't experience the growth of spring without the fallow period of winter and the cold and without the without the seeds being planted in fall. We just want the growth of spring all the time. But God has to take us through fall and winter to get to spring. In the same way that in order for us to experience the resurrection of eternal life through Jesus Christ, Jesus had to go through the cross in order to get to the empty grave. He had to experience, and God is in the business of taking the darkest moments of our lives to be a light, and to be the brightest moment in our lives and our testimony to others in the same way that God took the darkest moment in all of history, Good Friday, and made it the moment that is the brightest and shines the clearest throughout all of history with Resurrection Sunday. 
So instead of wondering how long winter is, we can ask it. And instead of asking how come winter is happening, we can ask it, but we may not get those answers. But what we can do, if we have two questions we cry out to God, and then if we have one challenge to me, to you, to all of us when we're experiencing winter, we go from asking how come, or how long, asking how come, and then we have to encourage ourselves to hold on. To hold on. There are stories um, in uh, Parker Palmer is an author who writes a book that talks about many different things um, in relationship with God. But there's one part in which it's a comment about how in the Great Plains years ago, when there were blizzards that were coming, people in the Great Plains would have their house and they'd have the barn where the animals were, you know, wintering. They were going to be in there. And there were still things that needed to be done. Animals still needed to be taken care of. But what happens in a blizzard is that there would be times when this, the blizzard would be so, um, so, so big and so crazy and so severe that you would walk out and it would be like a whiteout. Like you couldn't see anything in front of you. So in the tunnel where I, could almost, I couldn't see because it was so dark if I didn't have my light on, in these blizzards, it, you couldn't see because it's so light, because the winter blizzard. Now, there were stories of people that would walk out in the middle of the winter in order to care for their animals, and because they couldn't see anything in front of them, they would wander off, and they would be found, their bodies would be found in the spring, and they were only 30 feet from their back door, but they didn't have the direction, and they didn't know where they were going, and they thought they knew but they lost their way in the winter storm and they ended up perishing because of it. So what people would do, what would sometimes happen is that they would tie a rope to the back of the house before the blizzard started and then they would tie it and they would attach the other end to the barn. So when the blizzard came and they still needed to do their duty to take care of the animals and to do what they needed to do, they would hold on to that rope. They would hold fast to that, and they would allow that to be their guide. They would do what they needed to do in the barn, and then they would allow that to be their guide back to safety. So when we are in our storms, we hold on to who God is. Now, I want to share, um, I've got a few minutes left, and I want to do something a little different uh, today, if you'll bear with me. A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, our family got to go see the Lion King musical uh, down at the San Diego Civic Center. Um, and so I don't know how many of you have actually had a chance to see the musical live. It's, it's beautiful and it's wonderful. Uh, if you've seen the movie, like the original 1994 animated classic movie, um, if you're familiar with that, the story is much the same. But you have to take a, an hour and 30 minute cartoon and make it into two and a half hour Broadway musical, so they add songs here and there, they add dances, and it was just, it was just a beautiful time. It was uh, Shailen, I think, second um, Broadway play, and it was Elisa's first. And I, I can't even really describe, so I want to show you some pictures from the play itself that we did not take this. I do not have this photographic eye, but here's some of the things that you might not know. When you walk in, and at the beginning of the circle of life, when all these animals start coming to Pride Rock to celebrate Simba being born, you see all these animals coming in through the aisles as well. And you see um, on the top left, you see someone who's holding a cheetah. And the way that that person walks, they move their arms like this, and it's a puppet. So it looks like a cheetah is walking forward and then will like bow before the king. You see that next to them are giraffes. Those are people on stilts that have their costumes and they're walking through the, the stage in order to do that. 
to the top right, you see antelope. There's one that's like on a hat. There's one that the, the people are holding. And so someone will jump around like this, and it looks like the antelope are running and gallivanting through um, the Pride Lands. Then one of the costumes that's really fun, the bottom left, is Scar and Mufasa have these lion heads there on top, but they're attached by a, um, like a bar that when they go like, they do a certain move and then like the head like comes down and that's when they're like challenging each other and they're about to fight. And so that's really cool. And then in the bottom right is Simba when he's an adult. And so I wanted to give you the context because in the movie, the original animated classic movie, there's a scene in which Mufasa, he dies because Scar ends up tricking Simba, and Simba ends up being in the middle of a gorge when a wildebeest um, herd stampedes, and Simba's rescued, but Mufasa, his dad, is killed by Scar. And then Scar comes, and he blames it all on Simba. So Simba flees. He runs away. And he meets Timon and Pumbaa, who teach him Hakuna Matata, no worries. And he lives his life not worrying about things going on around him. But then they have a conversation, the three of them. And he, they're talking about the star sky and they're thinking, what, are, what is that? And Mufasa had told Simba that those were the kings of old looking down upon the people, or upon the animals, excuse me. And so he shares that. And Timon laughs, like, you're saying that's a bunch of royal dead guys are watching us? And he's like, and then Simba like kind of laughs out like, yeah, kind of dumb, huh? And then he slinks away. He goes into this field where all the stars are there. And in the movie, he says, he says, you said you'd always be there for me, but you're not. And I've listened, watched it enough times to be able to get the intonation just right. But <laughs> you said you'd always be there for me, but you're not. And he collapses and on the ground at discouraged, and there's like flowers or plants that come, and then that gets Rafiki. It's, it's a story. So in the play, that line, you said you'd always be there for me, and you're not, is extended into an, an entire song called Endless Night. And so in this song, he's talking about, God, you promised you'd be there whenever I needed you. Whenever I call your name, you're not anywhere. And as I've listened to the song, it, it paints such a beautiful picture of what a modern-day winter psalm looks like, a psalm of disorientation. So we're actually going to watch four minutes. We're going to watch a performance of it with a guy, you know, dressed like Simba in the costume um, that was performed on a different show. But we're going to watch that for four minutes together. And as you're watching it, I encourage you, yes, you can think about it as Simba with his dad Mufasa, but if I can ask us to take a step deeper and to think about it in the perspective of when he's crying out to father, his father about why he's not there, us thinking about how we feel about that and how we maybe experience that when we cry out to God and it feels like he is not there. So will you turn your attention to the screen? The lyrics will be on the bottom of your screen in order to watch Endless Night performed by Simba based on the Lion King Broadway musical. my way. 
So this idea, right, of I can't find the way. Uh, you promised you'd be there whenever I needed you, but whenever I call your name, you're not anywhere. I'm trying to hold on, waiting to hear your voice. A word, just a word will do to end this nightmare. And he sings this, in a, and I relate to it. When you're struggling, when you're in a winter season, I can, I can respond and empathize with that moment of, Father, where are you? And yet, even then, we, they're reminded that the, the, the sun will rise, the clouds will clear, that winter is for a season, it's not for forever. And so no matter how long it feels like you're going to say, how long am I going to be in this? How come this is happening? We can still say, but I trust in you. In fact, here's how it says in verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Has anything in David's circumstance changed between verses 4 and 5? Was there some 
miraculous change, miraculous healing, miraculous solving? Or is it just the fact that he has to remind himself just as we need to remind ourselves to hold on and trust and to put our hope and our trust in God's unfailing love, not in our circumstances, not in our ability to solve the problems around us, not in anything that we have control over at all, but winter teaches us how little we truly do have control in our lives. Because no matter how much I want to not feel cold or I want to not feel alone or I want to not feel in the midst of a dark tunnel walking one step at a time, it still happens. No matter how much I don't want to have to be in the storm and the blizzard, will I, will you, will we hold on to the rope, hold on to who God is and his saving love for us? Chad Bird in his devotional called Unveiling Mercy talking about uh, looking at the Old Testament through the eyes of Christ and uh, who he is, says this, it's on the screen, it says, to place one's hope and trust in the Lord is to find peace and security based completely on his steadfast love, his chesed. It's not contingent upon anything else. And when we are in the tunnel, when we are in winter, when we can't see the light behind us and we can't see the light of the end of the tunnel ahead of us, we cry out how long we may not get the answer. We cry out how come we may not get the answer. But what we can do is to hold on. Hold on to the never-ending, everlasting, steadfast, all-encompassing love of God. Hold on to the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who loves you and you felt his warmth in the summer is the same God who is with you in the cool and the bitter cold of winter. You are not alone, and God, Emmanuel, is with you. And so we remind ourselves of the importance of, we can ask these questions to winter, but what we do is we hold on to who God is, what Jesus has done, and how that helps us to get through one sore, bedraggled step at a time until we see the light of spring at the end of the tunnel. And then we get to rejoice and praise, not because our circumstances have changed, but because we know that God never will. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for each person who is part of our service this morning. Again, whether live in person, live online, listening or watching later, God, I pray Lord, that you would be able to meet each and every one of us in whatever season we are experiencing today. And God, may we remember that if we are in winter, it feels like it's the longest season, but Lord, we also know that the the clouds will clear. The sun will rise. The sun will shine. The endless night will come a daybreak at some point. So Lord, may we run to you with our heartaches and our struggles in the winter and draw closer to you rather than run from you and forsake you. Meet us here, Lord, I ask. Look upon us and act and help us to hold fast to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, You can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.